gets inside, leans in, knocked away and stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down top. This the dagger. This kind of sick. Zion's gonna want out soon. Here's the thing, I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. And we are rock and rolling on this Saturday morning, officially a few days after the NBA Finals, and officially five days away from the 2023 NBA Draft. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Josh Angston. Today, we're not wasting any time. We're going to jump right into this. Quick update. You guys enjoyed, or at least more of you guys tuned in on Twitter than what I expected it to be. So, good news. I'm going to keep this running. going to keep this going for Twitter. I am very excited. This is something that I've never done, so for me to do this, this is pretty cool. But you guys seem to be enjoying it on all the platforms, but this will definitely be continuing on Twitter. Again, I'm on Twitter.com slash Heat. I'm on Twitter a lot. So if you can't reach me on Courtsaheat.com, just go to Twitter.com. Trust me. Trust me. It'll make y'all's lives easier. It truly, truly well, we got a lot of talk about guys, and I know I was mentioning this last episode, but there's going to be a lot of pre-draft coverage, so that means more podcast episodes. Our regular days are Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, but now with the draft being this upcoming Thursday, you'll be getting episodes Wednesday and Thursday. I know we're a few days out from that, but... Sunday, nothing, but then you have regular days, Monday, Tuesday, and then bonus, Wednesday, Thursday. Now I'm going to just go right through my normal schedule, Friday, Saturday. So I cover the draft. I can tell you guys everything. And then boom, bada, bang, we're fine. Plus, on CourtsHeat.com, I'm going to be answering the question of who the Charlotte Hornets should be taking with their second overall pick. I have between Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson, I know you guys who were tuning in yesterday, uh, we were talking about those polls, we were going over the polls, we were going over fit, skill, all that stuff. It's going to be written article, very nicely, go check it out. It will be posted sometime after this episode is released. Remember, all episodes are released 8 a.m. And, yeah, I really never changed that. So, get an early start, whether you're on the East Coast or... Arizona time, Mount Santa time, wherever you at, doesn't matter. You could be legit Hawaii or Maryland. Don't matter. Still 8 a.m. here in AZ. With that being said, I just want to jump right into today's podcast because I want to talk about Michael Jordan selling a, or finalizing because he was always going to sell, but officially finalizing his majority stake in the Hornets. I want to talk about the Warriors making front office moves. I want to talk about the Lakers and their offseason. I want to talk about the Clippers. So, this is going to be like a California-centered day. I didn't even realize. I wasn't going to plan that to be legit with y'all. I didn't realize that when I was doing this, minusing out Charlotte and New Orleans, because I'm going to talk about them, and of course Memphis will have job, that majority of my news was coming out of Cali. So that to me is very, very interesting and very, very funny. And of course, guys, our topic of the day for today is going to be answering this question. Is a 25-game suspension enough to keep John Moran out of trouble? I actually asked you guys this on a couple of polls. A couple of polls. I feel it was either two or three. I'm pulling them up. I'm not going to go from now. I figured we can talk about John Morant's apology statement. We could talk about John Morant's suspension um, when all these news are said and done. 
And I think something to start with would be Michael Jordan. Because a lot has been going on, uh, good and bad, good and bad. There's been a lot of negative recently. There's been a lot of positive recently. The negative would be the John Moran suspension, Miles Bridges come back into the league, um, stuff along those lines. Positives would be the NBA draft, all the potential talent, um, players and potential trades, and just hyping up those teams and just trying to build a finals-bound team, whether you're the Kings or any one of these teams we've been talking about for the longest of times. But I want to start with Michael Jordan. I'm going to ease into this. I'm going to ease into this. So, Michael Jordan is officially finalizing a sale of the Charlotte Hornets to Gabe, uh, to Gabe Plotkin and Rick Snall. And I apologize if I'm botching these names, but as you guys will come to understand, I can't pronounce most things in my life. This, uh, So, pretty much, the significance behind this. Minusing out all the money he's getting for like his 60 some odd percent, I think it's like 65% stake in the Hornets as a majority owner. It's going to be ending his 13 year run as majority owner of Charlotte, of the Charlotte organization. Uh, backstory on these two guys Schnall is a minority owner of the Hawks, while Plotkin, who is a minority owner, he is a minority, minority, oh my gosh, minority owner of the Hornets. Um, Plotkin and Schnall will be coming the Hornets co-governors. They'll have everything running through them. It's expected that after the NBA completes the vetting process, that the NBA Board of Governors will um, vote to approve the sale. There's expectations that they're not going to deny it. I, I couldn't see why not unless anybody's like, look, the vetting process did not go well. But I think this will go well, figuring they're already in the NBA system. They're already owners of some kind. And yeah, that's just where we're at. And I just, I want to say something real quick. I want to say something. The amount of ROI, the amount of money that Michael Jordan is getting... From this from this sale is absolutely incredible, according to ESPN. Michael Jordan paid two hundred seventy five million for the team in twenty ten, and now in twenty twenty three he's selling his majority stake for three billion. I can't do math that well, y'all, but let me tell you: you pay two seventy five, you pay two hundred seventy five million, and you get three billion. M for money and B for billion, bro. That's a good day. And Michael, Michael over here was already a billionaire. He was already a billionaire. So let's put that into perspective. Let's put that into perspective. So it's safe to say, while Michael Jordan's not going to be running this team anymore as the majority owner, he's definitely bringing in that money. Now he's still trying to sell his house. But, he's got some huge money. Like, his net worth is going to be so much. That is insane, man. That's just insane. Um, I was going to say something. He never... I, I love Michael Jordan, but I don't think Michael Jordan was a very good owner. He's the greatest of all time as a basketball player. But as an owner... Not so much. As an owner, it was the exact opposite. Sure, he made the right hit on Kemba Walker, but it, it really was not. Let me sum it up. Him giving Gordon Hayward a four-year, $120 million contract, that killed him. That just, I, $30 million for Gordon Hayward at this point in his career, or even a few years ago, was not worth it. He's a he's a talented ball player, but but he's always injured. 
Sato, ever since he got injured on opening night for the Boston Celtics, he's just never been the same. And I, will, I actually watched that clip not too long ago of him snapping his leg. That was a very, very gruesome injury. Um, that, that is just beyond gruesome. I've had leg injuries before. <laughs> never to that extreme. Never to that extreme. But I feel bad for Goran Hayward. I wish him the best. But he is on that expiring contract for like, what, 31 mil? It's whatever. It's not on Michael Jordan's team. It's going to be very interesting what Plotkin and uh, Schnaldo uh, does, does with this team. I think this team needs a better sense of leadership, direction. I think it helps that Michael Jordan was a player, but not all players can translate to the ownership side. There's a reason why there's owners, GMs, coaches, a writer. There's a reason why there's different roles. That's why you see more player coaches. That's why you just see certain things happen. You don't see owners typically playing a very long time in the league and then just trying to be everyone's friend and then just back off severely and now you're flooding the gates and you got this mess. And I know this is a very rough summary of his journey, but they didn't go to the finals. They didn't go to the postseason that much. Besides Kemba, I, I don't remember the last time they were a very good team. And I get that the past few seasons when they had like Lamelo and stuff, and there was injuries in there, and, and it looked like there was going to be some promise. But they were a very, very bad team for a very, very long time. Um, I, I don't think anyone will dispute them on that. And I'm actually trying to pull up. Yeah, I'm actually trying to pull up their, um, their, yeah, here, I'm just trying to go through. I'm looking at their 2016-17 Charlotte Hornets roster. Steve Clifford was still the head coach. That was before James Borrego, right? Man, I don't remember Rich Cho as the executive. Sorry. Um, but they finished 11th. It, they were 36-46. and 46. Nicholas Batum was there, um, ooh, very veteran, but that was way before, way before he joined the Clippers. Frank the Tank was on there, Michael Kidd, uh, Glisserit, Jeremy Lamb, ooh, Mike Toby, Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker was in his fifth year, wow. Like, uh, they're just, Cody Zeller, a Christian Wood, believe it or not, was on that team, but that's not the Christian Wood we know today. And Steve Clifford, man, he was, was he the head coach? Did he get brought in by, yeah, so he got brought in by Jordan because when he inherited his team, you got to remember, there were still the Bobcats. And when he took over, you had Larry Brown. He immediately got fired after 28 games. He, was, he wasn't the greatest head coach. Paul Silas came in for the remainder of it. And you were working with Kwame Brown. Matt Carroll, DJ Gustin, uh, Garrett Temple, who I think now plays for the Pelicans or once used to play for the Pelicans. I, I have to look at that again. Like, I'm looking at this stuff. There's a reason why this team went 34 and 48. Then they went, oh, I remember this. I remember Paul Stott was going 7-59. I don't know if like this was the worst regular season record ever, but it was just so bad. I forgot they had a rookie Bismack Biombo. But then you also had rookie Kevin Walker. And rookie Kevin Walker had to go through, man, a 7-59 season. And they brought in Mike Dunlap, but Mike Dunlap only lasted a season before they hired Steve Clifford. And then they went, they had a winning season. Because Mike Dunlop went 21-61. But then they were able to march through Steve Clifford. And for Steve Clifford, you had a decent team, right? You had Kemba. You had Bismack. You had Michael. Like, you had guys. 
Ben Gordon. Ah, oh, man, I, I don't remember Ben Gordon. Should I be remembering Ben Gordon? Hold on, I'm looking at his trying to find stats. Uh, ben Gordon didn't even bubble. No, he did. He averaged five points. Al Jefferson with a 21. Gerald Henderson. Yeah, there's just guys I don't even remember. But then Steve Clifford was the head coach until they parted ways with him in, in 2018-19. That's when he went with James Borrego. And James Borrego was only there for, what, three, four seasons? Yeah, it sounded like that. And now they went back to Steve Clifford. So they, they made a reunion with Steve Clifford, which I find very, very interesting. And now they actually have a pretty decent lineup. Like, they're going to be setting themselves up for success, at least in my opinion. And we're going to talk about that, not today, but in a later podcast episode. I may do that for the draft coverage. I was so, just give you guys a heads up on the draft coverage. I was legit going to give you guys uh, content that would last you entire week. So, in those back-to-back days, it's going to be like two and a half, three hours long. Like, when, when combining both days, just so you guys are caught up, just so you guys know what, you're, what you should be expecting, what you not should be expecting, all this type of stuff. But, I may talk about the Bobcats. I may go down the rabbit hole of that team. I may dig a little deeper on Michael Jordan. I may dig a little deeper on the Hornets. Just trying to mix, mix and match the pieces, if you will. But... That's to be determined. Again, Michael Jordan is finalizing a sale of the Charlotte Hornets to Game Pawkin and Rich Nall. 13 years of MJ controlling Charlotte. I don't see him becoming a majority owner again. I think he's going to ride off into the sunset. I think he had enough for 13 years. Now, you want to talk about someone that had a long tenured and then some major happened. This is the opposite. So MJ had a long tenure, but then it just it didn't collapse because he had a huge payday. But then it just he sold. He was ready to get out. Now Mike Dunleavy Jr. He stayed with the team for a couple of years, for a few years, and now he's getting promoted. So the Golden State Warriors have hired Mike Dunleavy Jr. Former player, I believe, played 15 seasons in the NBA. Don Levy is replacing Bob Myers, who, again, stepped down from the role following his past season. You know, he had the press conference. It was very hard on him. Um, remember, I had it all in Courts of Heat, Twitter.com slash Courts of Heat, but he was just ready to be done being as president and GM. But long story short, um, Golden State was like, okay, we're going to find a new GM. And they did. And they're staying within the team. They're staying local, if you will. They're giving Mike Dunleavy Jr. the franchise's GM position. So, like I said, following his playing career of, like, what, 15 seasons? Dunleavy joined Golden State as a scout in 2018. A year later, he was promoted to assistant general manager, then in 2021, he was promoted to vice president of basketball operations. He'll now run the Warriors front office as the primary decision maker. Very, very interesting. And he spent a lot of time with Bob Myers in that front office. And you would assume so when he was promoted to assistant general manager. Then not too long ago to... Vice President of Basketball Operations. So he was pretty close to Bob Myers. And I'm pretty sure Bob Myers gave a recommendation to Mike Dunleavy Jr. I can't confirm that. I'm just speculating. But that would make the most sense to me. And look, if you're going to transition from Bob Myers to someone else. At least have it be someone that Bob Myers was close to or what publicly seem to be close to, and who's been with the Warriors for a couple years. They know how the coaching staff reacts, how the players react, how ownership reacts, just different stuff along those lines. So I think for Mike Dunleavy Jr. to be their new GM, I think that's going to be something 
very, very interesting to watch out for. And I think it's actually going to be a pretty good hire. I'm not down on that one. He's 42. He was the third overall pick back in the 2002 NBA draft. Remember, that draft had Yao Ming in it and Amari Stoudemire. Remember that. Remember that. I also want to say that Amari went ninth. Yeah, Jay Williams, Drew Gooden. I don't even remember Drew Gooden. But he was not better than Amari. Yao Ming was just amazing, man. I love Yao Ming. I really do. I'm looking back on this draft class. Um, there's guys, but nothing that's gonna like stand out. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. But besides Amari Yao and um the new GM, I really don't think of anything. Karen Butler. Karen Butler played for a lot of teams. I don't know if you guys remember Karen Butler. Karen Butler. Karen Butler. It doesn't matter. I don't know if you guys remember James Butler. Karn, he went by Karn. I was his middle name, but his first name is James. I don't know if you guys remember James Butler, but he's a current assistant coach for the Miami Heat. But he played 14 years in the association. He played for a lot of teams. He played for OKC, Detroit, Sacramento, Washington, Los Angeles, Lakers, the Heat. He played for a lot of teams. But he was... Uh, two-time All-Star. He was. But, even above that, remember, um, my guy is now a coach, so, can you really say anything? He played up to 2015-16. Interesting. He's been coaching since 2020. Very interesting. Oh! And James Bullard, I remember him because he was on that 2011 team of the Dallas Mavericks when they won the championship. I was actually just re-watching those finals games. Because I have NBA.com subscription. So I just go through. Especially with all the projects I go through. And all the stuff that I do. All the stuff I do outside the courts of heat. I just throw that on. I listen to these games. I rewatch it just for memory's sake. And yeah. So he, he is a champion. I wonder what his scoring averages were. Because scoring's just not ringing a bell. But Bower was still signing a free year, $24 million deal. So, he was still a top guy even late in his career. Quote-unquote top. And I get it money worked differently back then. But, James Bower, hold on, let me try to see. I'm trying to see now. Hmm, James Bower, okay, hold on, I gotta put NBA. Uh... Okay, never mind. Uh, he's not showing up because James is not working. He keeps going to Jimmy. Or to James Bower, the professional boxer. So, hold on. Let me make sure I'm spelling his name right. Carm Butler. Yeah. Former 10th overall pick. You know, he was actually very good. I'm not looking at his stats. I just, I, I didn't realize he was putting up 14 points a game in his career. I didn't realize he entered 15 as a rookie. I Maybe I just remember him when he was only getting 9 points a game with OKC and then 5 with Detroit. I don't know. I just, I remembered things differently, okay? I, I was wrong. It wasn't like I was talking crap on him either. I just, I wasn't too familiar with him. Like, I heard of him, especially with Dallas. I just... I didn't realize that he was that dude. That he was that guy. Anyways, I have gone on a tangent. I have probably bored you guys to death. But yeah, um, getting back to Mike Donnelly Jr. I, I, I Honestly, I don't know how we were getting on the James Butler. I was looking on Mike Donnelly Jr. I don't know how we got... To James Butler. I don't know how we got to James Butler. My brain is a very fascinating brain. I don't even remember like, the conversation we were having. Just to be honest. But yeah. That's where we're going. Mike uh, Dunleavy Jr. Played 15 seasons. 
in the NBA. And yeah, I want to move on to something else since I want to keep the California theme going. I want to get to Ty Lue because this does tie into the Suns. Not now because we signed Frank Vogel. We hired Frank Vogel, which was the right decision. It was a splashy name. Many people are like, oh, maybe. But I think that's the right call. I think people should be excited. But, and this was coming out of many reports that the Los Angeles Clippers and Tyron Lue are unlikely to agree on an extension this offseason, which means he could become a coaching free agent as early as 2024. And even though he has two years left on his deal, there is a team option there to see if they want to keep him for the second season. And it originally, when the Suns were going all in, like, okay, maybe Ty Lue could have been a possibility. Not only did they want draft capital, but there were rumors of negotiations of an extension that could have opened up, that there was that possibility. But it appears now that the Clippers could be getting tired of Ty Lue. My prediction is that he's fired next offseason. They're not going to fire him now. There's no other good coaching options that's better than Ty Lue or that compare to Ty Lue. So you keep him and you try to see who's available next season. I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers try going after Kevin Young or one of these other guys that are emerging as an assistant coach into a, into a potential prominent role as a head coach. I'm just going to be honest. So it could be Kevin Young. It could be one of these other guys. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if Kenny Atkinson got a call from Los Angeles. So I'm just spitballing. I'm not saying I'm not confirming or denying anything. I'm just spitballing. But that would be interesting. But with that being said, the Los Angeles Clippers and Ty Lue are unlikely to agree on an extension this offseason. I don't know if Ty Lue's wanting more money. I don't know if the years aren't matching up. But I would assume Ty Lue, seeing the current landscape of coaching contracts and extensions and just how the money falls and just how you want to be assured by this team. I think you want a multi-year deal where you're making good money as a top 10 coach. But now do the Clippers see you as a top 10 coach? That's where it gets a little dicey. I'm not too sure about that. I would have to reach out. I would have to try to do some investigating, some digging. But right now, Ty Lue and the Clippers are not on the same wavelength, and it just is what it is. But I would not be surprised if Ty Lue and the Clippers quote-unquote parted ways next offseason. I just would not be surprised. Ty Lue is a fine head coach, but his luck ran out when he got to L.A. He's a much better head coach than, he's a much better coach than Doc Rivers. He formerly coached LA, but injuries did kill him. Like Kawhi, PG thirteen, like that team just kept getting injured. Twenty twenty one was their best season. Same could be said for the Phoenix Suns. Trust me, I rewatched twenty twenty one NBA Finals. My heart was ripped out. I don't know why I did that to myself, but I did. I did. But you guys get where I'm coming from. Ever since Kawhi tore his knee, it's been over. It's been over. And I'm not blaming this on him, I'm just saying this team. And when you saw, oh, they're going to make a great run, they're making a great push towards the playoffs, they're going to be able to beat the Suns. That was the original thought process because between the 4th and 5th seed, there really was no difference and they were going to fight each other, they were going to go up against each other, didn't matter who had the better seating, so remember it goes 1, 8, 2, 7, 3, 6, 4, 5, in both conferences, and then you're going to have that West showdown, but then you saw Paul George get hurt, I, I feel bad for Paul George, I do, I feel bad for PG, but then after that, there was rumors of maybe you come back for game 1, no, for game 2, no, for game 3, no, maybe for an elimination game, but then that never happened, he just never returned. Same with Kawhi. So then you saw Westbrook who emerged. But the Clippers, who I may do a deep dive, who I may go for their offseason for a pre-draft coverage on Wednesday and Thursday. 
because you have to make a determination on if you want to keep Russell Westbrook. Because and for all the crap people have been given about, uh, given been saying about him, and same goes for me. He was very, very electrifying. He kept his team alive in the postseason, in the final week, of, final two weeks of the regular season into the postseason. That's just a fact. And I'm not the biggest fan of Russ. I've trolled him. I've trolled Westbrook many times, but I have to give him his flowers. I have to give him his props. He's probably a future Hall of Famer. And if this future Hall of Famer he, he, he commanded a team like that, he's probably going to get a big contract or what he's worth now in the market, whatever that may be. And many teams are going to go after him and try to negotiate and just try to pick his brain. But what will the Clippers do? Because you got to remember, you got to remember something. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook never got to play together. Never got to solidify. So what we saw from Ross, his like MVP self, we don't know if he could do that with the other uh, two members of the quote-unquote big three. And I don't know what Steve Ballmer is going to do, to be honest. Dude just cannot catch a break. Like, this organization as a whole cannot catch a break. So, you have that going for you. But, I think it's time after this season, whether you make the postseason or not, unless you have a deep postseason run, if you can't get out of the first or second round, if you can't make it to the semis and be convincing enough, I, I think your time is over. And to be honest, I think Ty Lue is going to be gone. I, I think you're going to see different players because there's also trade rumors and just mock trades going out. Like, would the Clippers be interested in trading Paul George? I'd rather keep Paul George than Kawhi Leonard just from a health standpoint. One's a lot more healthy than the other, but who's better? That's a toss-up in my opinion. I, I love and respect the call, and I love and respect Paul George, but you're trying to pick the... You're trying. I hate saying this, but you're trying to pick. You're just trying to pick the one that's just not always hurt. They're both always. Are you trying to pick the the one of? Oh, I forget the saying. The one of the two lesser evils. I don't know. I'm not good with sayings, but you guys know where I'm coming from. I I don't know where we go from here. So this off season, next off season, is going to be very very critical. For this team, for their direction, because they want to be championship bound. That's why they spent the big money for Kawhi. That's why they invested in PG. That's why they're trying to get all these different guys like Bones Highland. All of these different guys. All of these different guys. It's just not panning out. But speaking about things panning and not panning out, let's go to our Los Angeles team, the Los Angeles Lakers. I think Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN commented on this. I think he said that the Lakers aren't looking to obtain star players. In fact, they're just evaluating their options with Austin Reeves, Roy Hachimura, and D'Lo. They'll also be looking to get uh, Chris Paul. So, quote-unquote, the only star they're going to be getting would be Chris Paul. And I say quote-unquote star, he's still very good, but just his injuries and age and just, he's still giving you 12 and 8. He can still give you 12-5, 12-8. That's not a problem. 12-8-5, that's pretty solid. But just his, just a bad age, just bad age timing. Not everyone could be a genetic freak like <laughs> LeBron James. But they could get him on the veterans minimum if he decides not to go back to Phoenix, or maybe he gets traded to LA, I don't know, but they're looking to resign deal. they may be looking to resign D'Lo, they have a very complicated situation right now, a very complicated relationship, but when it comes to Royal Hachimura and Austin Reeves, they're going to try to get deals done, they definitely do not want to let Austin Reeves walk, because he's shown his value this season, and teams are going to be lining up. Teams have already reportedly shown interest in Austin Reeves. So when the free agency period opens, and then you can freely discuss with these guys, and you can assess your options, 
I think you're going to see some shocking teams come out and try to get be very, very aggressive for Austin Reeves. Because I'm looking this up right now. I think Austin Reeves um, had a pretty decent season. He's 25, and he's averaging 13 free-free off of 53% from the field, 40% from deep. That's not bad. And he's having a very, very good second season. A boost in his stats and assists, field goal percentage at both categories of points and minutes. He's not bad. And he's also known as Hillbilly Kobe. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah, so that's that's where he's at right now. Which is which is very interesting. So they're gonna try I've seen they're gonna be able to re-sign Austin Reeves. I've seen they're gonna get back Royal Hachimura. Thomas Bryant, real quick, I'm just gonna uh, flip the switch. Thomas Bryant's loving life right now because he was originally on the Lakers. That didn't work out. So then he got shipped over to Nuggets, if I remember that correctly. Do you guys remember that? Thomas Bryant's like, I'm now becoming an NBA champ. I was not going to get that with the Lakers. Do you guys remember that? Now, he got no minutes in the finals, but, but, it was still, it was still really funny. I'm, I'm trying to check out stats. I'm trying to check out stats. Hold on, wait. Yeah, so I was getting really confused for a second. Never mind, it's just my dumb brain. But yeah, he must very, feel very lucky. Because even though he only played 18 games and his role was diminished, he still won a championship. Says a lot. Says a lot. I don't know if his contract's coming up. It's actually very interesting. Is his contract? I don't know. Hold on. Wait. Whoa. Timeout. Timeout. Game five, he put up 40. Hold on. I'm now, I'm now confused. You, okay, this game has, not game, but this, I'm very, ah, uh, oh, I was extremely loud. <laughs> okay. Um, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, like, but Thomas Bryant did not, Thomas Bryant did not put up 42 points, maybe in 12, but he did not put up 42 points. Yeah, he didn't even apply, I don't know where they're getting the 42 points from, maybe that's just like a season high he had, I don't know, I, I don't know to be honest. But yeah, so the Lakers' plan is to evaluate their options, hopefully re-sign Austin Reeves, Roy Hachimura, and maybe even D'Lo. Maybe it could be like a, tra a, a sign trade type um, option. I don't know. Now, the last thing for breaking news around the league that I do want to get to, that I absolutely want to get to, is Zion Williamson. And this is very interesting. I was going off of speculation, but I guess ESPN's Brian Windhorse said on his Hoop Collective podcast that there is no real relationship Zion has with the team and with his teammates. Quote, there is no relationship between Zion and the organization and minimal relationship between Zion and his teammates for what I understand. End quote. That is really concerning. I think they're, I think they should just part ways. And I was talking to you guys about this yesterday. And if you guys are not listening to yesterday's podcast episode, I highly recommend you guys tune in. You guys will absolutely enjoy it. It's just... This has just been a tough journey with Zion and the Pelicans. Like, they should just draft the John Moran. I'm going to talk about John Moran, but they really should have. It would have caused less, less headaches. Well, I don't know. He probably would have tried to be a gangster in New Orleans as well. But, it's just, I've never seen 
I probably no, that's not true. But with Zion, I I didn't think there was gonna be like no relationships. I don't know if the Pelicans are tired of him. I don't know if what we see from the I I just don't know whose side it is. I I, I don't know if it's just like if this is mutual, if this is non mutual. Maybe 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 it's one sided. I don't know, but that's very concerning because Brian Windhorst is pretty spot on and. And some of the stuff that he says, like, he's pretty accurate. I'm not questioning his credibility. So when he came out about this, I'm like, whoa, this confirmed my suspicions. This confirmed a lot of suspicions that a lot of people had that people were thinking of. So to me, that's just very, very interesting to say the least. To say say the absolute least. So to me, that's very interesting. But this situation with Zion Williamson is going to carry into the NBA draft, into free agency, maybe in the next season, uh, preseason, whenever it is. And I'm not talking about just trying to trade him, just trying to be like this drama, trying to have all these distractions. That's where I'm at. That's where my headspace at right now. Because I just don't know. I don't think there's a good ending to this. I don't think there's going to be a fairy tale ending. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. A lot of people seem to think that this could be worked out. I'm an optimistic person. I hate being negative, but I don't see this ending well. I just don't see it ending well. I try to think of solutions and ways that I could. I just think it's time to cut your losses. Let Zion have a list of teams he wants to go to. Reach out to his teams and try to have a trade package ready. You don't have you do have leverage, but you don't, if that makes sense. So it's not like he's on an expiring contract and he's like, I'm leaving. I'm not resigning. You know what I might have a playing. Pulling like a Ben Simmons type, but the contract was different. But no, it's just very interesting. I just don't see this ending well for this team. I'm going to be completely honest. I just am. Now, I also got to be honest about something. I have no idea what's going on with John Morant. And I'm going to segue our way into our topic of the day. And that's going to be answering the question, is a 25-game suspension enough to keep John Morant out of trouble? First, I want to go through the polls. So right now, I asked you guys, at the time of this recording, I asked you guys this. Do you guys believe John Moran's apology statement? Yes, no, let's see it play out. I always believed him. 67% of y'all said no. 22% of y'all said let's see it play out. 9% of y'all said yes. 2% said I always believed him. And then I said do y'all, in a different poll, do y'all think John Moran's suspension should have been shorter or longer? I have longer, shorter, 25 is enough, shouldn't have been suspended. 68% of y'all said longer. 19% said uh, 25 is enough. 8% said shorter. 5% said shouldn't have been suspended. Which is very, very interesting. Look. I found this to be... I respect Adam Silver. I know he's in a difficult situation, a difficult position. Because you have to think this from a business perspective. And from an authoritative position, perspective. But this was 100% a very soft call. But I get it that people are saying that he didn't break any laws. No, but his behavior is intolerable. His behavior goes against the MBPA, the NBA. It goes against his contractual obligations. It goes against. You have to think about this. Like you're treating like your employer, like your employee. You do something wrong. It goes against your ob- against your obligations against. Um, your employer's standards as company standards. That's how you have to think about it with the Grizzlies, with the NBA, with the MBPA. 
as we have to come from us when this is your second offense just with uh wielding around a gun flashing and just showing it off to everyone on IG so I think it should have been a minimum of 45 to 60 games I really do believe that and I know Brian Windhorst said that he's already lost it projected between like 50 to 60 million. The 25 games that he's suspended, he's going to be losing out on 7.6 million. Now he has a $194 million contract over the next five seasons. But when you get older, all that money starts to rack up and just starts to catch up. It's like, oh, I'm going to be fine. And one day you run out of money. I'm not saying that he is. I'm not saying that he's going to go all out and iris on how he spends his money. No disrespect to the great AI. Just saying. I just find it very, very interesting, nonetheless. Um, this John Moran situation, I'm, I'm not gonna bash this guy in. I'm, I'm hoping that, and I know there's conditions tagged to this suspension. It's appropriate by him, Silver, but I really do hope he can have the right mental space. I really do hope he can get himself together because I don't want to see anyone get out of the league unless they've done something horrifically wrong. But John Morant's too talented and seems like a genuinely nice person to be kicked out of this league by his own doing. So I really do hope he reflects on his 25 games. I hope he takes these next few months and he really sits down. He really, really works it out. And he works with the NBA. He goes through these programs. He meets those conditions. He cuts off those bad acquaintances or friends or whoever he's hanging around. I hope T. Moran, I think that's his father's name. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I apologize. I do not mean to disrespect his father. But I believe it's T. Moran. I really do hope that he steps in and he helps Jaw. I hope Jaw's mother helped. I hope Jaw's circle of influence helps him. I I don't I don't think he needs to be flashing a gun. I don't think many people do need to be flashing a gun publicly. There's no reason why you should be wielding a gun on social media or just for the funds of it. You use that for protection. Yes, I get that. I truly, truly do. But when you have a massive audience like that, you just don't want to send the bad, bad, just don't want to, you just don't want to send those bad vibes. You don't. And that's what the NBA is worried against. The worried for your safety. The worried for the safety of those that you influence and that those people that you're around. But just to try to act, and Shane Sharp said the best, and I've reposted a lot of stuff that he said, but he said the best, you're acting like something that you're not, and it's going to cost you in the end. Like, you act like this, you never were like this when you were younger. We have foes to prove that. It's just very unbecoming, and it's hurting you. If you, if it, if the projections are around how much money you lost, or how much money that John Moran lost, and it's between 50 to 60 million. That's soul-crushing. I don't care how big your contract is. That's just soul-crushing. Like, that's that's that, that just hurts. And I think we need to come... And we can discuss about the suspension later. And we can joke about, oh, if David Stern was still the commish versus Adam Silver. I personally believe Adam Silver was soft. But... I hope John Moran truly, truly does go through these programs. Go Doesn't just go through the motions. That he really does soak in on this. And he really does fix himself. I want to make sure. I, I really do hope before he thinks about basketball again. Put that on the back burner. I really do hope he focuses on his mental health. Y'all may laugh about that. And honestly, I don't care what y'all think about that. I really don't. You guys would be surprised how much I don't give a crap about what you guys think about mental health. I don't care. I find it very important. Especially John Moran, who's being frustrated into fame with all his money. Trying to hang out. Trying to be someone that he's not. Or just trying to, I'm not saying figuring himself out. But 
hanging around the wrong people. Now it's costing him. I don't want that from him. I like John Moran. He's just done a lot of moronic stuff that needs to be corrected. So with that being said, I'm not going to use these final few minutes I have on the podcast today to bash him. But I do believe 25 games will be enough. I think it should have been more to make sure he doesn't. But if he, but let's just say he truly, truly does go for the process. And he takes these 25 games to heart. And he takes the money to heart. And he takes what he's doing to heart. And the consequences. Like the legit consequences. And he vows never to do it again. He vows to have a better public image. And a higher standard of who he hangs around with. And of himself. I don't think we can bash him. If he comes out the other side really, really well. And I hope he just takes these 25 games. I do. I do. Do I think I'm silver win soft on with 25 games? Yes. But I'm hoping it only takes 25 games. I don't want this to happen for a third or four. For, I just don't want it to happen again. I like John Morant. I want to see him in the league. Um, this was a business decision by the NBA because you had to keep him as the face of the franchise. You have to keep his public image good. You just, this was a tough situation, but I really, really do hope John Morant can get better from this and he can learn from this. I really, really do hope that. And guys, with that being said, this is all I got for today's podcast episode. A little shorter than usual, but don't worry, you guys can have extra, extra content coming your way. Thank you guys so much for listening. And yeah, guys, this is all I have to say. And peace out, you guys. Have anything you want to say, you know where to reach me at. Twitter.com slash Heat. Hit me up on my number. And yeah, guys, I am signing off. I'll see y'all later. And yeah, we'll just get ready for the draft. Peace.